Welcome to the Breaking Startups podcast, where we feature stories of people from non-traditional backgrounds that broke into tech. On today's episode, we're honored to have Carlos Gonzalez, the founder of Product School, join us for a chat. Now, why am I so excited about having Carlos on our podcast? For one, I remember product management seemed like a black box when I was learning about startups. It's not a subject offered in colleges, and so many people have misconceptions around what you need to know to be qualified for a product manager role. Carlos started Product School, an eight-week part-time training course designed to help people inside and outside of tech to acquire the necessary skills to be effective product managers. If you enjoyed this episode, I highly recommend you check out episode number three with our guest Kevin Lee, the founder of Product Manager HQ. Now, before we dive in, I want to give a quick shout out. We've had over 100 reviews on iTunes since the launch, so I want to give a shout out to the review of the week from Adrian H., who said, Love hearing these stories. I'm trying to break into tech, and I feel like I'm listening to my own story when I listen to these guests. So great to hear about the struggles people go through. Thank you for putting this together. Adrian, thank you so much. We appreciate the review. And if you guys have not left a review and you want to have a chance to be announced on the podcast, then make sure you go to Breaking the Startups on iTunes and leave a review. Okay, guys, it's time to learn about product management. Let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10x. Yo, 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 this is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Arjun Timor Meister, and this is the Breaking the Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yes, yeah, so tonight we're recording out of Product School's headquarters in San Francisco. It's 7 p.m. on a Monday night. All of us had a full day of work, and now we're excited to speak to a founder of a school that teaches people how to learn product management skills and break into tech. Arthur, can you please introduce the guest? Yeah. Today, we're speaking with Carlos Gonzalez, who is the founder of Product School. He is a serial entrepreneur who started three companies and was a product CEO in the educational space. And we'll go a little bit into what that means to be a product CEO later. Something interesting about Carlos, he was born in Spain and immigrated here to start a company around six years ago that got funded by 500 startups. So we'll also chat with him about kind of what it was like starting a company and what type of skills he had to learn. But before we begin, uh, Carlos, can you give us a little bit overview of kind of where you grew up, what were you passionate about as a kid, and uh, we'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. I'm Carlos, and I'm from Spain. And as a kid in Europe, my dream was to be a soccer player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, but I became a coach in tech, kind of. And I believe product management is similar to sports in many ways because you are in the middle of everything, training others and helping your team achieve the goal. Mm -hmm. So we'll go deeper into product management, but for our listeners, they want to know about you, where you grew up. Like, What were your passions when you were little? Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Like, What were your hobbies growing up? So I loved sports and crazy Mm -hmm. about sports, and I'm a very active person. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's been always the same. And we can see that. (laughs) (laughs) My dad is a doctor and my mom is a lawyer. Mm -hmm. So they have nothing to do with tech. And they, they advised me to get a safe job, Mm-hmm. and all of that. But I didn't feel that passion. So I was good enough with numbers mm-hmm. and especially video games. So I decided to get into computer science. Nice. <laughs> and I spent five years learning how to code and all of that, which was completely inefficient. Mm-hmm. And was also, this at the university or were you studying like on your own? I studied in university in computer science, mm-hmm. one of the biggest universities in Spain. And I realized that although I was good enough at coding, in reality... I was learning a lot of stuff that had nothing to do with real work. And the teachers or professors that I had there weren't really the people I wanted to look like in the future. Mm-hmm. So that made me think a lot about my career mm-hmm. because I was doing the right thing from nine to five, but at nights I was always playing around, mm-hmm. breaking things, building my own websites, playing with tech. Mm-hmm. And after that, I decided to start my first startup. And it was in education. I tried mm-hmm. to fix my own problem, which was I want to find my true role models. I want to know what the people that are now successful, not just in business, but in sports, movies, arts, whatever that is, 
what did they do when they were younger? Mm -hmm. So that's what exactly what we did. Mm -hmm. We went and found them and invited them to come to school and tell us their stories. So it's kind of similar to breaking the startups. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> More offline, I would say. And that was fun. And we started bringing top sport players, business people, because the invitation was so radical. Like instead mm. of just give us another speech, it's like, just tell us what you used to do when you were younger. Yeah. And we were able to build different teams in different universities in Madrid at that time. Then we grew that to multiple cities in Spain, then to multiple cities in Europe. Then I moved to the U.S. and I started a business school in Berkeley and we built another team there. Then we built another team in New York. So we created a huge organization of young, hungry kids mm. willing to convince any successful person to come to their school and share their stories. Why, why did you move to the U.S.? I moved to the U.S. because I love tech and Silicon Valley was the place to be. Mm -hmm. I didn't know much about it, but I just knew I wanted to be here and experience it by myself. Got it. And on the one side, I was fun and everything because, yeah, there's a lot of smart people and a lot of tech, but at the same time, I had the exact same problem. I went to school here and then I realized I don't want to be like my teachers. Got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So after that first startup, I started a second one in education, which is, instead of just doing offline events, we decided to do online videos and say, okay, anyone can teach anything. So mm -hmm. why don't we just let any of us to decide what are, what are you great at and create a video about it and share it with the world. Similar to Skillshare, Skillshare yeah. even YouTube. And what year was this in? This was 2011. Okay, nice. And that was great because we built a huge platform that helped us reach way more people with that company unfortunately couldn't continue in the u.s because of my visa it's funny that with student visa you can study mm -hmm. but you can't start a company oh interesting. i had to go back to spain start my second company there and then i raised actually convinced a lot of my classmates from germany and other countries to come with me to spain <laughs> and start that company there after that, we raised more money, not only from VCs in Spain, but also from VCs in South America. Interesting. We got accepted into Startup Chile. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, yeah. Nice. We had one of our guests, Max Renkeret, was talking about Startup Chile Blink. as well. I don't know if you've ever heard of Blink. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a Snapchat for uh, South America. Shout out, Max. Yeah, shout out to Max. That was an amazing experience because we were able to expand to a total different continent, mm -hmm. although we speak the same language, and grow from there. And then once we established operations in South America, mm -hmm. we raised more money from 500 startups here in Silicon Valley. Got it. And that's how I came back to the U.S. Is that how, did they give you, get you, help you with the visa process? Well, they gave me a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was able to pay for lawyers. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. And it's on a green card, right? Yeah. Awesome. Shout out to green cards. <laughs> totally. So tell us a little bit about, so you mentioned... Uh, in the pre-chat that you're a product CEO at all these companies, what does it mean to be a product CEO? Yeah, so as I said before, I started computer science. And I think mm -hmm. that always gave me a leg up when starting something because mm -hmm. I was able to build a website or a mobile app without asking for help. Mm -hmm. But obviously, as the companies grow, you can't just code. So I was able to convince a bunch of my classmates to join me. And as they joined me, I was able to take care of all the business-related stuff. At that time, I didn't even know how to define that. So I kept growing my businesses, so both the offline events and then the online learning platform, and got to a point where I couldn't code. I didn't have the time. I had to either raise more money or hire more people or do something else. And I was able to promote some of those engineers to manage other engineers, promote not just engineers, but business people, designers, to kind of take care of the product. In this case, it's a digital product because we're talking about websites or mobile apps. And I've been always involved in that part of the business. I was always surrounded by um, co-founders that were more focused on operations and legal, kind of keeping the lights on, while I was always more focused on working with engineers, designers, and marketers into building and growing products. Got so it. making the user experience, improving the user experience, and then adding new features, collecting feedback from customers, incorporating that back into the product, things like that, right? Exactly. And that led me to my current company. Yeah, so that's actually pretty interesting how you start Power School. Can you give us a little bit of context around what you were doing when you decided to start it? Yeah, so I was figuring out everything by myself because even though I went to engineering school or then to business school, 
that's more of an anecdote. Most of the things I got to do as a founder or as a CEO weren't taught in school. They, you can't find them on books or blogs. So I created a school called Product School to teach product management. This is the school that I wish I had eight years ago when I was starting to think about all of this. Totally. And what led you to that decision? Because you were mentioning that you were teaching product at a different uh, organization. So can you tell us a little bit about kind of what realizations led you to starting product school? Yeah. So the way I see product school or product management is kind of in between engineering school and a business school. I think mm-hmm. engineering school is very technical, but that doesn't cover much about what to do with that technology. And at the same time, business school is extremely business oriented, but doesn't really teach you how to build something. Product school is right in the middle. It's technical enough and business oriented enough. So that's exactly what I decided to build. And that's because I started engineering, I started business, and I've been building digital products throughout my whole career in multiple continents. Yeah, no, that's pretty cool. And in the beginning of the interview, you talked a little bit about how a product manager is a coach. You know, so far we've had people on the program that talked about the coding boot camps, like you said, some boot camps like Tradecraft that talk about like less technical roles and growth and things like that. But can you talk about like what product management is, like what your definition is for that, and then how companies think about hiring for those types of roles? Yeah, so product management, the way we define it is the intersection between engineering, design, and business. We're talking about software product management. So that when we say products, we're talking about websites or mobile apps. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to be the best at all of these three categories at the same time. You just need to be good enough so you can connect the dots and translate the messages between one to each other. That's why I say coach, because you are not the front line coding or selling or designing, but you need to be connecting all these different dots together. In small companies or startups, there's not like a product manager role. It's actually one of the founders who's taking that position as well, because mm-hmm. you don't need an additional product manager. Obviously, as the companies grow, then you need to start hiring some product managers so you can delegate some of that while you take care of mm-hmm. other areas of the business. How do you know when a company has grown to the point where they need to hire a product manager? So it really depends on the culture of the founders. I've seen companies that are extremely engineering driven and they take some time to recognize the need of a product manager because it's all about coding, 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 coding. Mm-hmm. I've also seen a lot of companies that are way more business driven and they are more on the like the PowerPoint level, sales level, but don't really pay much attention to building and they prefer to outsource whatever type of product to third-party companies. I think now, especially in Silicon Valley, New York, or LA, like tech hubs in the US, we start to see, to recognize this product-driven culture in companies where they take product serious from the very beginning. And they understand that coding is important, business is important, design is important, and they start thinking about product since the very, very beginning. So we keep seeing more and more companies taking product, putting product in the middle since the beginning. Yeah. So like you said, like the founders are essentially the product managers in the beginning, but then maybe when there's like multiple products or multiple features, like then you would hire a product manager to own one of those things and work with the engineers, designers, and business people to focus on that while the founders work on other things. Is that what it is? Yes, there are so many different ways to break into product management. There is no such a formal path into product. That's a, product school is actually that first formal education into product management. If you take a look at other product managers, you will see that some of them come from engineering, some of them come from business, however you want to define business. Could be marketing, sales, customer support, project management, management consulting, finance. We can also see product managers that come from design. So it's a very diverse type of field. Mm-hmm. And you can do it from any of these different sources. You just need to know that you also need to know enough about these other fields that you are not that expert at. Yeah. What would you say are those skill sets? Obviously, like we can say learning, like knowing how to code is an important skill, but what are the skill sets that people need, like a organizational skill set or interpersonal skill sets? What are those things that you think make a good product manager? Yeah. So we've, we've graduated thousands of students during the last three years. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we've seen consistently the, the same patterns. Yep. Obviously, depending on the location, you can apply specific characteristics. So for example, we have campuses in the San Francisco Bay Area, Silicon Valley. We also have a campus in New York. 
and we have two other campuses in LA, in Santa Monica and downtown. So if we focus on San Francisco, we can definitely see a lot of uh, graduates with technical background. That's not the only way to do it, but there's a majority mm -hmm. of people that come from engineering. You take a look at our graduates in New York, you will see that a lot of them come from management consulting, mm. finance, project management, more like the business type. Mm -hmm. Like the investment bankers yeah. and the consultants. Got it. And then LA has a lot of people that come from media, entertainment, design, freelancers, and design agencies. So it's very interesting to see how you can make it from so many different angles. In terms of what's the common pattern that we've mm -hmm. seen across the board, one is what we call technical background. And by this, I'm not saying you have to be a software engineer, mm -hmm. you need to go to a coding bootcamp first, but you definitely need to understand how technology works and feel comfortable working with engineers, having a conversation with them at every single level, from the user's perspective to all the systems architecture. Mm -hmm. And we can discuss more about different ways to develop your technical acumen without having to go through computer science like I did, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Another important characteristic is the industry expertise, mm -hmm. especially for people that are trying to break into product for the first time. Let's say you, you come from marketing, for example, or in an e-commerce company. I would say you have way more chances to get a product management job if you apply to another e-commerce company because at least you can prove that you can start adding value right away. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as a perfect product manager, but as an expert in that industry. So you can take a look at your existing company. You can take a look at competitors. You can take a look at companies that are similar in the space and prove that you know a lot about the product, even though you haven't been a product manager yet. Yeah. And then the third characteristic that we've seen that is important for people that break into product is communication skills. And by this, I don't mean you have to be a book author or a public speaker, but you need to feel comfortable communicating via email, via voice via in-person meetings. Mm -hmm. and that's especially tough for people that maybe come from engineering that don't have much exposure, but you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely something important because as a manager, or in this case, as a product manager, you're going to spend most of your time explaining people what you want to do versus doing it yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty important shift in the mindset of someone that spends most of his or her time executing and receiving orders. Yeah. It's almost like you're. Um you mentioned that as a product manager, you're working within different teams like sales, UX, design, engineering. But from what you were saying earlier, you're also communicating now with the founders or the CEO of the company. So you have to be able to align the vision of what the product actually does like on a roadmap with other products within the company and then pass down that message to the people who probably don't have as much visibility and they probably have a lot of questions and you need to be able to relate to them and explain to them why they're actually building it, which is a pretty important deal because sometimes if the product manager is not able to do that, engineers will just go out and start building what they want to build, right? So as a product manager, you also need to be able to keep your team accountable, right? It's very interesting to see how this role has developed over the last five to 10 years because mm -hmm. even before, it wasn't that common. Like you think that you need engineers to code, you need designers to design, and you need business people to sell or market. And now, it's so obvious to a lot of us that work in tech that you need someone in the middle that can act as a coach to really connect the dots. And it's also important to recognize that that coach can't just be someone that has no idea. You can't just learn this in a traditional business school. No, no. You have to prove that you are tactical enough so you can get your hands dirty and work with different teams. And at the same time, you can think big enough so you can lead the team towards a direction. Yeah. And yeah. I think something super helpful for our listeners would be like, if you get, can you give a concrete example of, let's say like, what would a product manager do at Facebook? Let's say they were working on the newsfeed team. So kind of, I know you, you probably haven't had a chance to work at like Facebook and stuff, but let's say like if you were, a product, if you were imagining a product manager who is working on a popular consumer feature, what type of roles or what, what type of responsibilities would you expect them to have? Yeah, we, we actually have a lot of product managers from Facebook, Google, and other top companies that teach at product school. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the cool things about this school is that the teachers or the instructors are not teachers. They all have their own full-time jobs at top tech companies mm -hmm. and incredible stories behind that. So we have instructors from Snapchat, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, all of our students keep their full-time jobs and then they take our classes on the side. This is a part-time program that you can do at nights or during the weekends. So it's important that you can get to apply what you are learning. In terms of how to structure your product team, there are so many different ways. 
So for example, obviously Facebook has so many different product managers. Yeah. You can decide to divide the products by actually products and say, okay, I'm going to take care of newsfeed. Uh, there is going to be another PM that is going to take care of the mobile app experience. There is going to be another PM that is going to take care of monetization experience, advertising, so many. Search. Yeah, Facebook I'll, is so big. Yeah. We actually had one product manager from Facebook as an instructor that as a product manager for, for privacy products. She's the person in charge of when you click on the <laughs> privacy yeah. button, all of that experience is actually yeah. owned by one product manager. That's yeah. awesome. And so kind of let's take that as an example. So if I'm a product manager that's, that who owns the privacy area for Facebook, what kind of teams would I work with? What would be my day-to-day like working so there? So definitely you're going to spend a lot of time working with engineers. Mm-hmm. And in this case, you're also going to spend time working with designers because this product is uh, visible to mm-hmm. millions of users, actually. Billions. More than billions, exactly, yeah. billions. So in that case, you definitely need a, a design team as well. In the specific case of privacy, since this is something very sensitive, you may need to interact with legal mm-hmm. as well, a lot. And you may need to interact with security to make sure that the accounts are not hacked and all of that. So that's a really good example. Yeah. So like does a day-to-day start with like, good morning, everybody from all of these teams. We're working on a privacy project. I need engineers to do this. I need these guys to do this. Or how does it work? So there are two schools of thought here. One is the traditional waterfall approach, and then there is the agile approach. So basically, most of the products these days follow agile. Doesn't mean that it's better than waterfall, but that's the most common one. And the way you structure your work is in iterations. So you first need to focus on planning and defining what's next. In order to make this happen, you'll probably need to talk with different experts in engineering, design, and privacy in this case, to know what's technically doable. What can we do? And also, what are our users asking us to do? Kind of like, before we start coding or designing, let's understand what's next. The problem. Once you have a clear idea of what's next, then we have to start spending more time with our engineers and designers, the real doers, to explain them what you want. And they are the ones that will tell you how they can make it happen. There's a clear line here between I know what users want versus here is how you have to do it. Got it, got it. So in the beginning, you're talking to people. Definitely spend a lot of time. And then also like understanding what can be built and how much time it takes to build it. Exactly. And then you talk to the engineers. Exactly. So you you spend a lot of time looking at data. You spend a lot of time talking with users. You spend a lot of time talking with your internal team members, with other stakeholders in the company to Mm. make a decision. Because imagine if you work at a company like Facebook, how many great ideas are out there, right? That you could implement. So you need to prioritize them. Yeah. Once that's clear, you have to make it clear for the people that are going to make it happen. And once they have it clear, you have to kind of project manage and make sure things are going according to plan. While these engineers and designers are executing, you're also coordinating with marketing teams or sales teams to make sure they're preparing the campaigns in order to announce what's next to the users. And that's kind of the cycle. And once you are done with, you're going to launch, and then you communicate that outside, then you have to assess what's actually happening, what's the impact. So you look at data, analytics. Exactly. And then, again, that's the cycle. Mm-hmm. Got it. So that was the agile style. What's the waterfall style? So the dif- main difference between agile and waterfall is that you're going to spend very limited amount of time in each of the stages. You're going to be able to go through all these different steps in a shorter amount of time so you can get results faster, get more data and insights from customers, and iterate from there. That's agile, right? That's agile. Mm -hmm. Waterfall is more, it's pretty much the same steps, but saying we're going to spend way more time on each of these phases. So we're going to take our good time planning, and then we're going to take our good time executing, and then testing, and then launching. And the risk there is that obviously you are talking with billions of users. Yeah. There are going to be so many changes that if you are doing waterfall, you might be missing a lot of those changes by the time you are done with the first iteration. Yeah, got it. And I think, so from my personal experience, I actually worked as an agile coach on mobile teams. And I think a good way for the listeners to think about this is if you were to build a building, let's say it's 10 stories, you need to have a blueprint in place. And that building a building probably takes a year because you have to build out the foundation. Then you go like floor by floor, building out like the whole building. Then you have to paint the walls and everything follows a sequential steps. And uh, 
because of the nature of the product that you're producing, it makes sense to plan out everything ahead of time and then go and execute. With software products, you're, um, when you start out building things, you don't really know what the user is going to like, right? So it wouldn't make sense for you to spend six or eight months or two a year building something that is going to be out of date by the time it's done. So the Agile methodology came around and they said, hey, instead of waiting and not releasing the product, put it out there, find out if the users like it, and then you can iterate and find something that they do like. So I think that's a pretty big, pretty big difference in Waterfall. From my experience, I've also realized that it does take a strong project manager or product manager to lead these teams. So in your case, since you have a you have students who are pretty green to product management who join these companies. Do you teach the students how to develop this um, level of like respect on the team? How do you lead a team that has senior engineers or tech leads, senior designers, and you're someone who's pretty much brand new on a team who's now has this job of building and delivering this product? That's a great question because breaking into product management is not easy. Mm-hmm. And you can't just think that by reading books, watching videos, or anything like that, you can magically become a product manager. You need to spend some time. And I believe that in order to be a manager, you need to have some experience on the ground. Mm-hmm. So you will see that most of the product managers, they were engineers before, or designers before, or marketers, or something before. So they can prove that they have that empathy. They've been there before. They know how things are made. And then this, that, that gives them the respect to be able to connect with other peers. No, other than just having experience, you also need to have the curiosity to mm-hmm. go out there and be able to make decisions to figure out things that you don't really know. We are constantly learning how to fix specific problems that are new. And I think a good product manager is someone that not only has knowledge, like the, the by the book knowledge, but also the, the curiosity to go out there and explore and test and fail and, and break. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And definitely having experience in the background before jumping into these one of these fields is very helpful, especially if you, you know, have a background, you know, communicating with a lot of people. I'm also curious, you know, a lot of people talk about individual contributors versus managers versus leaders. And, you know, just to touch on what Timo was talking about, does private school specifically teach anything about leadership? And if you do, how do you think about leadership? Yeah, so before we accept students into our program, they have to apply and go through an application process where we validate that they have at least three to five years of experience, that they have the curiosity and the commitment to really break into product because doing this is not just about taking a class. It's also putting the work into going out there and applying to jobs and really hustling. And once we've validated that this person is a good fit for the program, this program is very, very practical. And at the same time, we also cover scenarios in which you are going to face all the time with engineers or designers, and you can't find those on the book. That's why all the instructors that we have, they are not teachers. They are real-world product managers. And I think having that connection with a true mentor that doesn't really know all the answers, but can give you a lot of answers that are incorrect, so can save you a lot of time during your learning process, it's definitely the best way to keep growing your career as a manager. Got it. So role-playing in in scenarios. How is your curriculum structured? So the curriculum is structured in eight weeks, part-time. And students have two options. One is to take these classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays after work or on Saturdays in the morning. In case any student uh, has to miss classes, they can always make it up, which is important because we know that things happen. First block is six weeks, and it's all about the hard skills of product management, like how to build a product. And the last two weeks is all about the soft skills of product management and how to get a job as a product manager. So during the first six weeks, we focus on the agile process that we described before, and we start building a product step by step, knowing, learning how to work with business teams and build a roadmap, learning how to build wireframes, create user testing, work with designers, then how to work with engineers and create what we call PRDs, product requirements documents, or the instructions that you need to create for engineers to be able to build what you want, and then go back to marketing to do A-B testing, product marketing, product launch. So basically all the tools and frameworks at a very tactical level that you will need in order to build something. That's what we do in the first six weeks. And the outcome of that part is your fully functional product. 
I mean, not at a, you are going to teach you, we're not going to teach you how to code or how to design, but how to prepare all these different deliverables that you need for your designers, engineers, and marketers. Got it. So, and then do you have like actual designers and uh, engineers who provide feedback to students or like how do they gather that kind of what kind of how do they receive the feedback for, let's say, maybe your designs are not, or not necessarily design, maybe your directions for what to design aren't good enough. Yeah. So the instructor is acting as your mentor. Mm-hmm. And he or she treats the students as if they were junior product managers mm-hmm. in the same company. Mm-hmm. So we give very direct feedback. We've done great assignments. It's not about getting an A+. plus. It's about building something that is mm-hmm. good enough so you can get feedback rapidly. So that type of relationship between students that are not really students and instructors that are not really st- instructors is really, mm-hmm. really powerful. Totally. And then the last two weeks of the program, once students have built their product, they're all about public speaking so they can develop their communication skills and understand how to get their buy-in from different stakeholders. And then we focus a lot on how to get a job as a product manager. We do resume reviews, LinkedIn reviews, we practice mock interviews, Mm -hmm. and we also advise students on their job search strategy to help them understand what are companies that might be a good fit for them based on their background and what their short-term goals are. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, so for... For uh, designers, I know people usually say you need a portfolio. For engineers, you need projects, portfolio projects. The deliverables that the students create in your school, do they typically use it in their interview process with these companies? Is that something you can bring to an interview and say, hey, this is something that I did, and then the company will actually value that? Definitely. Now it's happening that for product managers, you also need a portfolio. You need to prove that you know how to build something. So one example of that is what the product that you will be during this class. You are going to be able to go through the whole product development cycle step by step. And then you can use that to connect to your LinkedIn profile, to connect to your personal website, or to just discuss that in front of an employer. Because what we've seen in a lot of product management interviews is that now a lot of companies are also asking candidates to prepare side projects or presentations for them. And we all use the same framework so going through that once is definitely very, very powerful. Of course, we need to understand that depending on the company you work, you will need to adapt that framework. Obviously, if you're in a very, very small company, you might need to take some shortcuts. If you are working in a huge organization, you may need to add some layers of politics. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like when you're thinking about resume building and product management, what's big, the biggest piece of it is portfolio. Is there any specific other things that you guys focus on when it comes to resume building? Yes, it's very important to differentiate between people that want to break into product management versus people that are existing product managers and want to grow their career. So if you are an inspiring product manager, you don't have formal product management experience yet, it's important that we rephrase or help you rephrase your resume, your LinkedIn profile in a way that you can highlight what your product experience, even if you don't have the title yet. Because here's the little trick. A lot of us have done some sort of product management as part of our job. A lot of engineers have managed other engineers. So that's management experience right there. A lot of designers have interacted with customers and they have to they got the buy-in from them. So that's a lot of communication skills right there. A lot of marketers or salespeople had to influence their engineers to convince them to build a specific feature so they could sell that product to a client. So by taking a deeper deep into each of the students' backgrounds, we can highlight what's their managerial experience or product experience that we need to highlight in their titles, in their summaries, everywhere. So they are more eligible to get a phone call from recruiter. Got it. No, that makes a lot of sense. And so when it comes to interview prep with mock interviews, Can you talk about how a product management interview is structured? Mm -hmm. Yes. So the first interviews, uh, the first questions are always very similar independently of the type of job, right? Like, tell me more about yourself. And that's actually critical because it sets the tone for the rest of the questions. Then you will see that there is a section of the interviews that are about your technical background. And depending on how technical the company is, they will ask for more or less information. But they also want to know at least how comfortable do you feel like working with engineers? There are going to be a lot so of... So what would that be like? Kind of What kind of test would that be? So for example, in a company that is not, not very technical, mm-hmm. they might need to ask you about specific problem and how would you create an algorithm or a basic formula mm-hmm. to solve that in a scalable way. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't really matter what's the programming language that you're going to use to make mm -hmm. that happen. Or yeah. even if you want to use a formula on spreadsheet. Yeah. But they want to know your, your logic behind. Are mm -hmm. you thinking like an engineer? Are you thinking about how to scale a problem? Or are you thinking about just hard coding a solution? So what would be kind of, because I'm very curious to hear, like what would be an example, a problem that you've seen people ask that would kind of be, because I realize like product managers, they're not coders, right? They're not developers. So what would be the level at which they have to describe the problem and solve it? So what we use as product managers in order to work with engineers is uh, something called PRD, Product mm. Requirement Documents. Mm. With these documents, we try to be tactical enough to explain our engineers what the problem is, mm. at least from the user perspective, mm. and then let the engineer figure out the technical solution. Mm. So a quick example of that, imagine we are trying to build login form mm. where we are going to let users introduce an email and a password in order to go to the next stream. Mm -hmm. So I would want to know, how are you going to explain that to an engineer? Are you just mm -hmm. going to say, hey, create a login form? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to go and say, we need to create a login form with the following fields. Email, password. I need a checkbox to remember me. I need a submit button. I also want to create a button that connects with Facebook. And if we click on the connect Facebook button, these are all the information that we are going to collect from Facebook, such as date, location, permissions to get push notifications, and so on. I'm just giving you an example on mm -hmm. how a regular user would think of a simple login form mm -hmm. versus how a product person would think of a login form. Mm -hmm. So that's a part of the interview, like the technical questions. Then you're also going to see a lot of questions about market sizing and overall common sense in terms of tech and product. Mm -hmm. So questions like, imagine that we want to expand this product to a new market. How would you do it? They want to understand more about what's your product thinking behind mm -hmm. and what are the parts of the product that you can reuse versus what are the parts of the product that you need to adapt. That could be just another example. I've seen a lot of other questions related to marketing. Mm -hmm. About, okay, imagine that we've got this done and now what? How would you do it? So they're basically going to try to test how comfortable you feel working with marketers, designers, and engineers. Yeah, so this is awesome that you guys actually provide them with mock interviews and training to pass these uh, interviews and get a job. Can you talk about the type of jobs that your graduates get? Also, maybe some of the stories of where did these graduates come from? What is the typical background? And then um, maybe even throw out some averages in terms of uh, how much... Uh, a product manager or a junior product manager can get paid? Yeah. So in terms of salaries, that's a really good question. It also depends on your previous experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you are a senior software engineer with 10 years of experience working at a huge company such as Cisco, yeah. obviously you're not going to apply to an entry-level position in a scrappy startup. Mm -hmm. You might be requesting for at least something above $100,000 minimum, especially yeah. if you live in Silicon Valley. I like to take a look at Glassdoor.com. I think that's a good reference to know more about salaries in general. But I would say, just as a rough estimate, product managers usually make, at least entry-level product managers, make anywhere between 90 to 120,000. And at that's junior, in, right? Or, that's, that's or entry-level? Entry-level. I mean, junior product manager position is not called like that for many companies. Yeah. Sometimes they call it product manager or, or associate, associate yeah, product associate. manager. Mm -hmm. So in general, I mean, I'm obviously giving a rough estimate, but if you try to narrow this down to a medium-sized company, mm -hmm. let's say a company between 50 to 250 employees that already has a product team in place and mm -hmm. some level of funding or revenue, a product manager or associate product manager could be between 80 to 120 mm -hmm. easily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about a more senior? I guess if, you're, if you've been a product manager for two years and maybe you had like some technical background before, maybe you came from manager consulting, in terms of the career trajectory, like what can you expect to make after like two, three years on the job? So then natural progression in mm -hmm. the in your product career starts as an associate product manager. Mm -hmm. Associate product manager is what we call junior product manager. Mm -hmm. Then there is a product manager, which is pretty much the same, but with a little bit more of experience, maybe one, two years. Then you have what we call senior product manager. This is still same type of role in which you are still going to be working directly with engineers, designers, and marketers. Mm -hmm. And at that level, you might be making anywhere between 120 to 140. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm talking about Silicon Valley rates. And if after senior product manager, it's common to see uh, directors of product management. In general, at that level, 
you are not working directly with engineers, designers, and marketers. You are working directly with product managers that work directly with engineers, designers, mm -hmm. and marketers. So you become more of a manager of managers. Mm -hmm. I've seen companies calling this role group product manager as well. Mm -hmm. So in that part, you can be looking at anywhere between 140 280. Mm -hmm. And after that, you can see VPs of product. And I've seen also something is becoming very popular there, the role of the chief product officer. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, product used to report to marketing. Now product is a separate entity that mm -hmm. still interacts with marketing, but it's a C-level position with direct report to CEO. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And going back to, that's great what you just described in terms of salaries. So going back to the type of students that you graduate and what kind of companies do they get jobs at? The sweet spot for our students is usually medium-sized companies, companies between 50 to 250 mm -hmm. employees. The reason why is because companies below 50 employees don't have many product management opportunities, as we described before. Mm -hmm. It's usually the founders who's, who are acting as product managers. And even if they need to hire product managers, they usually promote someone internally that knows the product so well mm -hmm. that they can <laughs> have some peace of mind. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's not scalable. And at some point, you need mm -hmm. to start bringing some external talent. So that sweet spot between 50 to 250 employees is great for our students because those companies have some level of revenue or, or funding so they can guarantee a job. They also have some senior product managers in the team so they can keep growing in their careers. And that's definitely an amazing opportunity because you still have a big impact on the product so you can really get access to the whole picture. Obviously, we're never going to push students to accept or reject specific job offer. We've had students that work at way larger organizations such as Google, Cisco, HP, eBay, and sometimes they get internal promotions. That's also a really good opportunity. Take this class, talk with your manager and say, I'm interested in growing my career in product. And sometimes you can do this way. So move into a product management role by laterally switching, let's say from sales or customer success or uh, one of the other roles, right, into product management. Definitely. Most of the people that break into product management are not product managers. Mm -hmm. So if you take a look at our students' demographic, you will see that we have a lot of software engineers, a lot of people that come from customer success or QA engineering. Mm -hmm. We also have a lot of people that come from management consulting, finance, project management, marketing, sales. That's usually more on the East Coast. In LA, we have a lot of people that come from design, media, mm -hmm. entertainment. So the common ground here is that you have to be great at one of the different categories that you're mm -hmm. going to be working with. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be good enough at the other. You're mm -hmm. never going to be great at all of them at the same time. But you need to have the right curiosity and skill sets to be able to connect all the pieces together. Totally. And I think this is great information for our listeners. So in terms of, so you mentioned that product school is a, a part-time course. How much is the price tag? And like, what is, so you mentioned a little bit on the application process. What kind of what type of background or what type of qualifications do you guys typically look for in your students when they apply? Yeah, so the tuition is thirty nine ninety five, and it includes all the course plus the certification that they get after graduation. It's called Software Product Management Certificate. Mm -hmm. Then they can connect to their LinkedIn profiles to prove that in front of potential employers. And it also includes free lifetime access to all of our events. We organize events every Wednesday in every single campus where we operate. So New York, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, LA. We invite different product managers every Wednesday at night to do either Q&A sessions, product demos, talk about product management, mm -hmm. and build the community. So it's not just one of class. It's also the opportunity to be part of something bigger. In terms of the admissions process, we like to do at least three different touch points. Students need to apply online on our website, productschool.com. And they have to submit their contact information and LinkedIn profile. Someone from the admissions teams take a look at that. And if we see that the person has some potential to become a product manager in the next year or two, then we schedule a phone interview, similar to a job process. Yeah. So can you cover a little bit kind of what, so you mentioned, look at the LinkedIn profile and evaluate whether they have the potential to become a product manager in two, one to two years. Uh, what are some of the specific characteristics that you would consider? So definitely we need to see some previous experience, mm -hmm. at least three to five years of experience. It doesn't need to be in product, obviously, but it has to be either in tech or something related. So we see that, okay, after taking this class, mm -hmm. I think this person has a, a fair opportunity mm -hmm. to break into product. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. If that sounds good, we schedule a phone interview. Mm -hmm. And in that part, we learn more about the background. We make sure to answer questions and see 
if this is a good fit. Mm -hmm. If we think there is a good fit, we schedule an in-person interview or tour around the campus. We like to invite students for a class before so they can check out the campus, they can meet with instructors, they can meet with students, they can truly understand what they're getting into. Yeah. And for every single step of the process, we make them interact with a different team member. Mm -hmm. So we also have like a small hiring committee in yeah. which we discuss if the person is eligible to take this class. Mm -hmm. We can afford to do all of this because the classes are very small. Mm -hmm. How we big are the classes? We cap the classes at 15 students per class. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I am very serious about because mm -hmm. this is not a traditional class. We're going to be building stuff. We're going to be mentoring you. And if you want to have like true interaction with not just classmates, but your instructor, this has to be very, very intense. Awesome. No, I think this is all great information. I guess to kind of to wrap it up, what advice would you have for someone who is considering bringing into product management? What is something that they could do this week or like this moment to figure out whether product management is for them? I would say build something or mm -hmm. try to build something. Mm -hmm. uh, I know it sounds easy, but it is not. And you don't need to be a product manager in order to build something. You don't need to be an engineer in order to build something. Mm -hmm. You can start with something as basic as WordPress. Mm -hmm. You can even start with something as basic as coming to one of our events and meeting mm -hmm. other product managers and get advice from them. Mm -hmm. And of course, if this is something that you are very serious about and you are thinking about taking a class, you can also apply to product school. That's awesome. Yeah. So at this point in our podcast, we usually do the lightning round and uh this is where we'll ask you several questions and we're looking for some technical advice that you can provide in terms of breaking into product management. So with that said, Arthur, take it away. Yeah, so this uh, kind of question takes it back to the basics. So imagine if you moved to a brand new city, you didn't know anyone and you only had $100 in your pocket and you were trying to break into product management, what would you do and like kind of how would you try to spend that $100 to maximize it? Well, first, I wouldn't spend any of those $100. Mm -hmm. I would probably like to take a look at meetup.com or mm -hmm. eventbrite.com mm -hmm. and see what's going on around. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of events out there and free resources that you can take advantage of and meet other people and then take it from there. And awesome. get free pizza. And beer. And yeah, beer. yeah, yeah. Shout out to Kevin Hart. So your story is amazing and you have a lot of ambition, obviously. So whenever you think about pumping yourself up or whenever you were down, like what what kind of music do you listen to? What what um, movies do you watch? What, what gets you amped? Yeah, thank you for asking that. I have the opposite problem to most of the people, which is I'm too active. I need to do a lot of stuff so I can sleep. I work out a lot every day. I like to work out before going to work. What that, time do you work out? Uh, from 7 to 8 a.m. Solid. And I use Spotify. And honestly, I try to eliminate that type of decision. So I use the Spotify radio. Mm -hmm. And because it has some machine learning embedded, they can also <laughs> prepare songs that are good for my mood at that day. Totally. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. So the next question is, um, it actually is uh, geared towards someone who might be in, let's say, management consultant. They spend a couple of years, maybe three to five years doing that job. Along the way, they realized they were climbing a hill that wasn't right for them. And now they're hearing about tech and startups and uh, they feel like they probably wouldn't be necessarily a good engineer because they have a lot of ideas like yourself and they want to start their own company one day. So they're on the verge of kind of deciding what career path to take. If you had to give them one piece of advice, what would you tell them? We have a lot of those, especially in New York. And the first step they take is to take off their tie <laughs> and come to one of the events mm -hmm. and be very honest. And I think being a management consultant or a consultant in general is great because you develop your analytical skills, mm -hmm. and fast learning skills. So you just need to reapply that energy into a different field. And that's not impossible. And you are right. You don't need to be an engineer, but you need to start learning more about this new field. Mm -hmm. So the first step is to talk with other people that are outside of the consulting world so they don't suck you in. And then try to be humble because I've seen a lot of uh, consultants that take our class and they're super humble. They say, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time advising clients on what they have to do, but then I don't do it. Mm -hmm. Product management, the difference is that you have to advise on what to do and then you have to do it. Mm -hmm. So kind of getting into that mindset of, I'm going to be a little more, more tactical. And even though I don't need to be an engineer, I'm going to see if I can understand how engineers think so we can work together. Got it, got it. 
And, um, you know, this podcast is focused on people with non-traditional backgrounds. We talked about this a little bit in the pre-chat, but is the product school, like, is it all men or, you know, what's, tell us a little bit more about demographics so people can relate to it. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting that you mentioned that because we've had some cohorts of students that have more women than men. The specific breakdown is around 60% men, 40% women. So it's, the numbers are awesome. way better than, than most of the engineering schools. At mm-hmm. least when I went to engineering school, like 90% of my classmates were men. Yeah. And here in product, we can see way more diversity, but not just in terms of gender. We can also see diversity in terms of geography. We've had students that came from Dubai, Nigeria, Argentina, Spain. They just flew into the U.S. for two months, take this class, mm-hmm. learn more about product, and then come back. We've also had some people that flew from Seattle to New York or mm-hmm. from LA to San Francisco. And those are amazing. And those cases really, really stand out when you go and apply to other jobs because that speaks for yourself. Your commitment. That's awesome. Yeah. And are there any online resources, maybe like blogs or any um, specific product managers that maybe are on Twitter that you would recommend people to start following to get like the latest product management news and also get a feel for the type of problems that they're solving on a daily basis. Yeah, there are a lot of online resources out there. Quora.com is a good source. What's it called again? Quora.com. Quora.com. It's a really good source for that. We also create Slack community that is completely free. And you can just go to the website and, and sign up. Mm-hmm. And we have thousands of aspiring and existing product managers that are constantly asking questions, sharing articles. We're also doing Ask Me Anything live chats sessions every week that that just get you in the mood of learning more about this. And outside of online resources, I would say if you know product manager, mm-hmm. you can always reach out to that person and, and grab coffee and learn more about their life. Yeah, yeah. get a better awesome. feel. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is to um, check out our website, productschool.com or look me up on LinkedIn. My last name is pretty complicated, so I hope you can Put it we'll in the put comments. it in the show notes. <laughs> Are you on Twitter or any social media? I am on Twitter. I'm in every single social media. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Villa Umbrosia. We'll make sure to put it yeah. in the description <laughs> of the article as well. And I love connecting with people that are thinking about breaking into products. So if you also want to meet with me in person, you can probably find me on Wednesdays in one of our events that we organize in San Francisco or Silicon Valley. Sometimes I fly to New York and LA. So happy to connect. Awesome. awesome. So you've graduated thousands now. We look forward to speaking you with you again after you've graduated tens of thousands and we'll go from there. And we'll probably have some of your graduates on the story to dive deeper into their experiences. That would be amazing. Thanks a lot, man. Oh, thanks, man. Awesome. Great job. Thank you. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in. Let's break in.